speak to you in the name of one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I was a child, um, actually I still do, I was fascinated by stories of heroes, knights and kings and conquerors and all those fun things that boys really get obsessed about in their teenage years. I love to read stories of the Knights of the Round Table and stories of the great conquering heroes. And one of these heroes was Alexander the Great, one of the more fascinating of the ancient conquering kings. Alexander was a young man at 20 years old when his father was assassinated, and he took over the kingdom of Macedonia. For those of y'all who don't know where Macedonia is, it's essentially Greece. It's just to the north of Greece. And Alexander, at the tender age of 20 years old, think about that, y'all who are currently in college, at 20 years old, he took over the lead of this country. And he went out and he proceeded over the next 12 years to conquer pretty much the entire known world. Conquered Persia and Egypt. Conquered all the lands surrounding Macedonia. He even went as far as western India conquering. He was undefeated. Undefeated as a leader in battle. 20 years old. He set out in a short 12 years conquered pretty much the known world. And then he died at the age of 32. Presumably from an illness, though, it is very likely he was poisoned or assassinated, as many of the leaders of Macedonia were. And his kingdom, just as it had been built up incredibly, this major empire in 12 short years, crumbled even faster than it was built. Because his heirs all fought amongst themselves. And within two years, they had started a massive civil war. And all that he had built was destroyed. Now, Alexander, is a, he's a figure of legend to this point in, in history. We've got movies and books and stories about him. You probably may have heard of his horse, Bucephalus, this incredible, most, most recognized horse of all, ancient, all of ancient times. He's a, he's a figure of myth. He's, he's transcended his actual life, become something of one of the most famous people who've ever lived. What does he have to do? He lived in the 300s BC. What does he have to do with Jesus? Well, in and of himself, not a lot. They have some similarities. They both died in their early 30s. But between, besides that, the two men themselves were nothing alike. Alexander built his, built his empire through merciless ruthlessness, through murder and killing of thousands and thousands of people as he conquered nation after nation. He did it with an iron fist, did it ruling through fear and fire. Jesus, on the other hand, built his kingdom in a day with only one death, his own. He didn't rule with mercilessness. He didn't rule with fear. He didn't rule with the sword. Jesus ruled with service and mercy and love. And unlike Alexander, whose life created this empire and whose death shattered it. It was Jesus' death that created the kingdom of God here on earth. And his life, raised from the dead, continues eternally. So there's not a lot to the same, and yet both of them had a moment in their lives when they passed their leadership on to another. Alexander, ignominiously dying on his deathbed at 32, passed his 
legacy on to those who followed him. Jesus triumphantly ascending into heaven passed his legacy on to his disciples and those who followed them. And on the one hand, Alexander's Alexander's followers destroyed what he had built. Shortly, quickly, almost incomprehensibly fast, they lost it. Jesus' followers started out really, really well. Started spreading the, the good news of the gospel all over the world. But since then, since that wonderful, great start we had with the disciples and those who came after them, we don't have a particularly glorious history after that. We have at times seemed about as competent as Christians as those followers of Alexander were in his kingdom. We have squandered at times the love that Jesus has entrusted us. We look back, the, the church has time and again failed to live up to the standards that Jesus has given us. With some truly terrible episodes, things like the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, the forced conversion of people at gunpoint. And yet, and yet, Jesus' legacy, his kingdom of God is so strong that it continues in spite of us at times and because of the efforts of a few at other times. But each and every one of us as sit here is an heir to that kingdom. We are all heirs of Jesus Christ and his kingdom through our baptism. We are all given the sacred charge and stewardship of the kingdom of God here on earth. That's Jesus' legacy to us. That is what he passed on to his disciples and those disciples passed on to their disciples and their disciples passed on to their disciples all the way down until we get to these folks, all of us sitting here in this church today. Each and every one of us as fully a member of Christ's body as those first disciples were. Each and every one of us as fully charged with the ministry of love in this world as those first disciples were. So the question is, how are we living in to that passing of the torch? Are we living in to what it's called to follow Christ? Are we building up the kingdom of God or are we seeking to tear it down? Perhaps intentionally or perhaps just through just through not doing what we need to do. Where are we? What are we doing? Are we going out? Are we loving people? Are we reaching out to those in need? Are we lending a helping hand? Are we taking of our time to be and spend time with Christ to come to know Him? That we might better share Him in the world. Is His light shining through us, magnified, as Mary said, to the world? Or are we hypocrites? Do we profess a love of Jesus Christ and yet through our life show that we have anything but love? Do we continue to fall short of the mark? Do we show up as an example to someone who does not know Christ, an example of love or an example of fear? Who are we? Well, to demonstrate and renew our commitment to this to Christ and to reinforce what it is to follow him I'm calling a bit of an audible on our liturgy this morning normally we follow the sermon 
with our, uh, with our Nicene Creed. But today we're going to take a page out of the great vigil of Easter above baptism, and we're going to stand and renew our baptismal vows. They can be found on page 292. 292 in your book of common prayer. That's a Bible. Wow. We have one of those? And pay attention as we stand and renew our baptismal vows and pay attention to what it is that we are covenanting with God to do. As we renew our baptismal vows, I ask you, do you reaffirm your renunciation of evil and renew your commitment to Jesus Christ? I do. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, he crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will, with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will, with God's help. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will, with God's help. May Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth by water and the Holy Spirit, and bestowed upon us the forgiveness of sins, keep us in eternal life by His grace, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Y'all can be seated. If y'all were paying attention as we did that, and really looking at all the different things we are pledging to do, there is a lot to do in following Christ. It's a lot. And it can be, very intimidating at times. We pledge to continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in praying regularly with Christ. We persevere in resisting evil. Whenever we fall into sin, repenting and return to the Lord. Proclaiming by word and example the good news of God and Christ. Seeking and serving Christ in all persons. Loving your neighbor as yourself and striving for justice and peace among all people, respecting the dignity of every human being. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you do all of these things in your life, because I'm pretty sure it would look exactly as it does now. Reality is we fall short, and that's why we have that repenting and return to the Lord part. It's, It's a tough charge we're given by Christ, and yet it is a glorious one because... 
Far more powerful than any amount of swords or guns or missiles is the power of love. Because the power of love has the power to unite this entire world. This entire world in one kingdom under God. It is a power that will transcend all types of other powers in this world. It is a power that drives out all evil and fear. And we are called to bring that love to the rest of the world. But we have to start first within our own hearts. And that's why we stood today and went over that covenant again. But lest you get intimidated, lest you say, how can we do this when there is so much out there that seems contrary to the love of God? How can we conquer and overcome that just as an individual or a small church or small denomination or even just a fraction of this world as believing and loving Christians? How can we hope to do that? How can we hope to let love conquer this world? Well, if you're wondering that, I encourage you to show up next Sunday because God and Christ have not left us alone. They have given us the greatest gift we could ever hope, the greatest ally we could ever ask for in spreading the love of God and bringing the kingdom of God to life in this world. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. We will talk about that next week on Pentecost. Amen.